We are in a series called Not Your Sunday School Jesus, and what we've been talking about is um, uh, stories about Jesus, basically my favorite stories about Jesus, and we were going to call it John's favorite stories about Jesus, but it didn't have that much of a ring to it, um, but uh, they're my favorite stories. As a matter of fact, my favoriteest favorite story, I can't even preach on because I just preached on it like six months ago, that was the woman at the well, that was my, that's my favoriteest favorite. Um, and so uh, last week we talked about um, uh, how we look at people, how we judge people, how we come to our conclusions, and they're very difficult to change. And uh, it was the first sermon in the 13 years I've been here that I actually shared it on Facebook. I, I, I don't normally do that, um, but uh, I actually went back and I listened to my own sermon again, which is, um, man, I am a great preacher. I didn't realize that. No, I'm kidding. No, stop, stop, stop. Uh, anyway, I, uh, because I, I knew I was going to share it, and I'm like, okay, if I had to like look at this sermon, sermon from just somebody who's just clicking on it, Um, but I think it addresses a really important subject of of the polarization of America and how, as Christians or followers of Jesus, um, we're not to be caught caught up in all that. So that's what we talked about last week. This week, we're going to talk about a guy who comes to Jesus. He's a seeker. He's, He's trying to figure out what is this Jesus all about? I'll, I'll give you some context. Jesus has just overturned the tables in the temple. So he is not super well liked right now by a lot of different people in, 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 uh, in the temple. Basically what was happening was this. You would go to the temple and you would have an animal that you would sacrifice for your sins. Okay, and, and the meat would be used. It wasn't like they just stacked up dead, dead animals all, all over the place. And so if you're poor, you would show up with maybe a turtle dove, okay? And what would have to happen is when you brought that turtle dove into the temple, it had to be inspected by a priest because they didn't want you bringing in one-winged, one-legged turtle doves, okay? They, it needs to be a, a, a pure sacrifice. They would call it one without blemish. And oftentimes, you'll hear about Jesus being a spotless lamb. That's, that's temple uh, uh, talk, okay? And, uh, and so uh, they would inspect the turtle dove. And what was happening was, they w- you'd bring a really good turtle dove, and they'd go, no, nah, that, that one's not good enough. And you go, well, what am I? I guess you just go like, <laughs> like that. I don't know what you do with it. But, uh, but and you, you go, well, well, what am I supposed to do? And you go, go to the turtle dove stand over here in the corner. And so you'd go to the turtle dove stand and they, they, you know, like let's say a turtle dove costs you 25 cents or whatever. There it would be like $1.25. So, so I'll give you an example. We're going to the angel game, right? And so uh, we're going to tailgate and you're going to bring your own food. But if, you didn't, if we didn't do that, if, we just, if you showed up at, at, at angel game with your box lunch, they'd say you can't have any food in here. And you say, well, I'm, I'm hungry. And they'll go, well, go to the hot dog stand. There's a $47 hot dog that you can buy. Right? And don't you want to just turn over the tape? Doesn't that make you angry? That's exactly how Jesus felt. Okay? So Jesus is watching this going on. And I mean, think about this. Just from his perspective. Because I, I, I believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. Uh, Emmanuel, God with us. It's his temple. <laughs> right? It's like, like, like it's his temple. And, 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 and it's his heart. For these people, and, and for these poor people, people who are struggling to get by, and they're doing the right thing, 
and they're being taken advantage of. So Jesus is sitting there watching all this goes on, going on, and he starts braiding the, these ropes together, and he makes this, this whip, <laughs> and he just starts going through, turning over tables and, and beating people. <laughs> that is not your Sunday school Jesus, right? Like, hey, kids, <laughs> it's only great to whip somebody when it's an injustice. No, so, so, we, so he, he, he does all this, and he says, this is supposed to be a house of prayer, You've made it a den of thieves. So this is, this is the climate of what's going on. Now we tend to, because a lot of the scripture paints Pharisees in a bad light because they try to trap Jesus and trick Jesus, and it's only because they're scared because they're losing power, which is a, a, just a lot of what happens in life as humans. When you begin to lose power, you begin to get scared, and so then you begin to uh, manipulate it around you. But there's one that that I wonder if it was in the temple or not. Maybe not. But I wonder if he saw this and he was thinking to himself, yeah, that's always bothered me. That turtle dove stand. <laughs> $1.25 for a turtle dove? It's just that whole system's always bothered me. So this is where we catch it. We catch Jesus. Now there was a man of the Pharisees, this is John 3, 1 through 2, named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he's high up in, in the social scale. Uh, not to get too geeky on you, like Bible geek, but um, in John, he pairs stories together. And um, it's really cool because the, the, um, after this is the woman at the well. And so it has, Jesus has these, these juxtaposing like bookends of t dealing with the elite, those in power, and then a Samaritan woman who would, been, would be on the low end of the totem pole, right? So he, we're at the high end right now. So this man is a, named Nicodemus, and he comes to Jesus by night. And the other thing, again, geeky, uh, uh, what John does is John makes a lot of night references, like darkness versus light, all these kinds of things. And so, so John uses, he actually did come to Jesus at night, but the reader of John would also go, he's coming in darkness. He doesn't understand what's going on. So, uh, was that, did I just like totally, okay, uh, everyone's looking at me like, dude, just get on with the story, okay, um, he says, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him, now, that is nice, <laughs> here's a Pharisee, one in power, most of them are against Jesus, and he's looking around, and he's seeing what Jesus is doing. And he even saw him, or at least heard about him, uh, throwing, these, uh, throwing these tables over and letting all the turtle doves go and all, all these kinds of things. He, he knows about that, and he thinks to himself, you're from God. Now, Jesus, the next two words should be, thank you, or I appreciate that. Glad you noticed. Um, okay, anything else, right? Okay, but Jesus launches in to this incredible statement. He, he doesn't even, it's almost like he dismisses what Nicodemus is saying. And he makes this incredible statement. And, 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 and we get a phrase out of this statement that you can sometimes, you'll see on a bumper sticker or um, you'll see on, you know, uh, you know people, as people refer to themselves he says this, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now this is 
an incredible statement to Nicodemus. Because since Nicodemus was a little tiny boy, he was taught that he was in the club. He was Jewish. And when he became a Pharisee, that just sealed it even more. Nicodemus earned his way to heaven. He was part of the in crowd, the nation of Israel. He made it. And Jesus is coming in and just completely rocks his world. You need to be born again. Now, we, we use that phrase now, and it just kind of rolls off our, our lips, but you have to understand the enormous uh, implications that this has, that Jesus is putting upon Nicodemus. And I would submit to you the enormous implications it has for us. That many of us, even Christians, need to be born again. So I had this uh, 2001 Toyota Corolla, and I bought it used, like I bought it like five years ago or whatever, uh, because I wanted to be prudent. And, and the cool thing about Toyota Corollas, they never die. They last forever. Um, unfortunately, except for one, mine. Uh, and so what happened was the engine light came on and um, I had to get it smogged and they tell you that if the, they won't even check the smog if the engine light's on. So I went uh, to a friend of mine that had a thing that could reset the light and I reset it and then I went back to go get my uh, smog check and they said, has this been recently reset? And I'm like, huh? I didn't even know you could do that. He's like, you got to drive it around for 100 miles. So sure enough, I drive it around a 98, 99, engine light comes on. I'm like, gosh. So rather than do that, I just decided, look, just let me take it to my mechanic and just say, what's, what's going on? Because it drove great. And he says, you need a new engine. I'm like, dude, I drove it here. Like, how do I need a new engine? I, I'm driving it around. Like, I don't need a new engine. And you know what he says to me? He looks me right in the eye, and this is what he says to me. It's so offensive. He says, you're a gross polluter. I'm like, your mom's a gross polluter. <laughs> like, let's go, you know? Like, you're a gross polluter. He's like, he's like no, you're, you're, you won't pass smog. And, and to fix it, it would be better if you got a new engine. I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I, I'll, just, I'll just drive it until I get arrested, you know? Like, <laughs> like, who needs those little tags anyway? You can peel them off someone else's license plate and put them on. I'm, come on. I'm a pastor. I'd never do that. Until they expired. Um, so I have this perfectly good running engine, but I'm being told I need a brand new one. This is what it felt like to Nicodemus. His system was actually working for him. For him. But Jesus comes from this kingdom mindset and he says, Nicodemus, oh, you are missing out on the kingdom. Your system, while it might be working for you now, there's something so much better. And I think Jesus is saying the same thing to you and I. Your system might be working out okay. And you might, things might be going all right, all right. But then when they don't, you, you, you're like, oh no. And what God is saying is, you need to be born again. You need a whole new perspective. 
See, oftentimes what we do with Jesus is we, we want to insert him in. So I had the 66 Mustang. Today's the analogy, car analogy day. Um, I had the 66 Mustang, and I bought it so I could learn how to work on cars and fix them myself for cheap. And so, um, and then I sold it two years later because it's like, wow, that's hard. Uh, but one of the things I did was I put in power steering, and I was super proud of myself. And so, you know, because it, it was hard to steer, and so I put in the power steering, and it, and it ended up leaking power steering fluid since, ever since then. Um, but it made it easier to steer. Oftentimes, this is exactly what we want to do. I have my life, everything's good, but I got some difficulties, and so I'm going to put Jesus in there, and then he'll make it a little bit easier on me. And Jesus goes, yeah, I'm not power steering. I'm the engine. You need a whole new engine. And what Jesus is doing is he's, without saying it, he's, re- he's going back to, he's referencing back to Ezekiel, this prophet. And here's what Ezekiel says. This is God speaking through the prophet Ezekiel to uh, um, the nation of Israel. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Listen to what he says. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is what God wants for all of us. He wants our perspective to change. He wants us to see spiritual things where we can only see fleshly things. He wants us to see him moving in our circumstances even when our circumstances aren't moving. Nicodemus is like freaked out. I mean, obviously, it's like, this is, see, for us, we say born again. Oh yeah, I I know about that. I've heard that before. Nicodemus had never heard that before. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born. Can he? Because <laughs> if he can, I don't, I'm not interested, uh, okay? Can he? Like, what is this thing you're talking about? And, 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 and I can just picture Jesus right now going, oh man, I want Nicodemus so badly to understand this kingdom. Because we come to Jesus the same way. Where Jesus says, hey, you need to be born again. You need to just, you need to like just give it all to me. I'm going to take out your engine and I'm going to put my engine in and I need it all. I need all the room. And you say to yourself, man, I, I can't, I can't forgive. I can't forgive them for what they did to me. Can I? Jesus says, oh yeah, you can. You can and it's going to change your life. I, I can't, I can't, you know, I get my money and then you're telling me I got to give 10% back to you? Like, like, I can't afford that. Can I? <laughs> like you tell me I'm supposed to serve people. I'm supposed to maybe not be so self-centered. I'm supposed to think of others, but I'm in the, right in the middle of my career. I don't, I don't have time to be serving. Do I? And Jesus is like, yes, 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 yes. You can. And it's going to so radically change your life. Man, man my, my marriage is like right on the brink. 
think we could stay together. Can we? And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, with the right engine. (laughs) With the right engine you can forgive. With the right engine you can give. With the right engine you can serve. With the right engine you are transformed. I will remove your heart of stone and I will insert a heart of flesh. It's been the heart of God ever since God made man. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And scholars have argued over what he means by born of water. Does he mean you have to be baptized? Uh, um, uh, Some scholars think, no, he's just talking about normal birth, like your water broke. But they didn't even use those terms uh, as it related to, to birth. So what does it mean to be born of water? I have no idea. I don't think that's the big deal. I think, and the Spirit. I think, in some senses, everybody's born of water, but we need to be born of the Spirit because you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And you think, wow, I enter the kingdom of God. I need to be born of the Spirit so I can go to heaven? That is a part of it. But when Jesus talks about entering the kingdom of God, he's talking about it now. He's talking about beginning a life of following him now. It's not just a destination. Jesus said to Nicodemus in the beginning, you can't even see the kingdom of God unless you've been born again. In other words, you're going to keep seeing your circumstances as from the flesh, not of the Spirit. And Jesus wants us to change our mindset, to begin to look at our circumstances, look at the the, the way things are going and begin to say, man, what's happening in the Spirit right now? I'm at work and I can't stand my job. No, I, I actually love my job, but I'm just using it as an analogy. You're at work and you're saying, I can't stand my job. What, what could possibly be happening in the spirit in your job? Things aren't going well financially. What, what could possibly be happening in the spirit? See, with a new heart, with, with, a, with, a, with a commitment to following after Jesus, going, God, I am not going to look at these things in the flesh. I want to look at these in the Spirit. You begin to transform. The, I, I mentioned it last week that Paul says it this way, do not be conformed to this, the patterns of this world. In other words, if you just lift your feet up and let the current of, of culture carry you away, you're going to end up in a place you don't want to be. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed. How? How? By the renewing of your mind. To begin to invite Jesus into these situations. To invite him in to say, God, though this circumstance may not change, please don't waste it. Teach me. Teach me. Teach me to be patient. Teach me to be forgiving. That's being born of the Spirit. The Spirit of God will begin to direct you. You've probably had that happen to you before. Where you've been driving along or you've been going along and um, uh, you just felt like God asked you to do something. So I'll give you an example because this, uh, this doesn't happen to me very much. But uh, I, I was working on these closet doors a few weeks ago. And um, the cool thing about building stuff is it's a, an excuse to buy tools uh, because you can say you're saving money and then you buy tools with that money that you just saved. And so I bought a new table saw, which I was super, super excited about on Craigslist. And um, so I had this old table saw. 
And so I'm like, I'm going to sell it on Craigslist, and then I can, in my mind, deduct that from the money I spent on the table saw I bought on Craigslist, and it'll work out pretty cool. And uh, so I get it to take pictures, and I feel the Lord telling me, give it away. And I'm like, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> you cannot control my mind and my thoughts. But give it away. And I'm like, I don't know who to give it to. I don't, I don't know. I'll, I'll, uh, whatever. So... I decided, I took pictures of it, and I put it on Facebook, and I said, look, I got this table saw, and whoever, you know, whoever wants it. It, <laughs> it literally was not one minute. Like, I posted it, and then I don't even know if I had time to look away from my, I, I think I was, like, checking my pictures again, and this guy, Jesse, says, I desperately need that. Now, you have to understand who Jesse is. Jesse can't, he's not my son. Jesse, because I don't want that thing in my garage, and that's where he would have kept it. <laughs> Jesse volunteered his time to help us build this. He was here with a chop saw. He helped stain it. He helped design it. He helped get up on a high ladder and paint all that brown and all that stuff. And he says, I desperately need this. So I'm just like, 75 bucks. No, I didn't need to say that. <laughs> he says, I've... I was praying for this very thing. Now, the reason I tell you this is not because I'm like, see, look at me. It's that I've, I've failed so many times <laughs> that this was just a reminder to me, like, obey. Just obey. Now, I saw stuff in the kingdom I would have missed had I not been led by the Spirit, being born of the Spirit. He goes on and he, he kind of nails it all down that which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit do not be amazed that i said to you you must be born again and then he goes into an explain something that i think is really encouraging at least it is for me as a follower of christ because like i said a couple weeks ago you don't have to be able to explain jesus to experience jesus you don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to, you know, if somebody comes up to you and says, why, why do you follow Jesus? And, you know, you know, I, you know I, I don't even believe in the Bible. And we were talking about the man born blind. He just said, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I just know I was blind and now I can see. I just know my life has been transformed. I just know my sins have been forgiven and I'm just going to follow him, right? And so Jesus piggybacks on that a little bit and he says the wind blows where it wishes you hear the sound of it but you don't know where it comes from or where it's going so is everyone who is born of the spirit i have no idea why a thought was placed into my mind to give that table saw away i don't know where it came from i didn't know what it, what it was going to do i i didn't i, I didn't know who was going to get it but that's, that's the, the journey, the adventure of following Jesus. You never know where your obedience is going to lead you. You never know what experience you're going to have out of obedience as he begins to lead you, as he begins to say, hey, this way, this way. We're not going to go that way right now. And you're like, man, I thought that was the perfect job, but I just have this sense that God is telling me not to take that job. God is telling me not to move. God is telling me to go to Living Spring for the rest of my life. Mm. Amen and amen. 
This is how it goes. We don't, we don't know. And then Nicodemus, I love Nicodemus, man. Nick, I'm going to start calling him Nick. Nick says, how can these things be? He's still, he's still trying to like, wrap his mind around this. And it, it's really cool what happens uh, to Nick later on in John. Um, Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and you do not understand these things? Which is just cold-blooded. Right? That's just cold. Jesus is like, huh, nice degree you got there, Nick. Ain't doing anything for you. And he goes back into his truly, truly. He, 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 in each section of the story, Jesus starts with truly, truly. Or if you have a King James or a verily, verily or whatever. I'm glad we don't say verily anymore when truly will do. Um, it says, truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we've seen and you do not accept our testimony. If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? Now, just, just, just to kind of... What Jesus is saying is that there is a possibility in this life to experience heavenly things. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that exciting? Aren't you glad that the sum of your life is not just day after day? That, that there's these hidden things that happen where you can experience God at work, at home. Probably not on the freeway, but maybe on the freeway. Like, 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 like it's a di different way to see your life. That, that maybe some of the things you do some of the times we just spend, we, we talked about helping the homeless that hour at, 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 uh, with another church. And you think, oh, it's an hour, I don't know if I have time, whatever. Th those things last for eternity. Those are heavenly things. When you work with our children's ministry, and you spend a Sunday a month or whatever, and you're, you're sitting there and you don't know what to do. Someone will train you. you, you you're you're uh, around kids and you don't even like kids. God will give you patience. Uh, and, and you're in there and you think, man, you get done. And you're like, oh, that was exhausted. You just did something heavenly. You have that opportunity. But when, when you give money, but it doesn't even have to be the living spring, but when God gives you your money and and, and depending on, you know, where you are, um, uh, for, for Lisa and I, our whole married life, and we, we tithe, so we would take 10% back and we give it, give it to God. And we've experienced the most incredible peace in our finances, even when things were going bad. That's something heavenly. That's just, just some examples. And Jesus is like, man, don't you want to experience heavenly things? Have you ever forgiven somebody? Truly forgiven them. And that weight just comes off your shoulders. Oh, I don't have to carry that around. Jesus would say, oh, isn't it nice to experience heavenly things? You ever been praying? You've been asked for the peace of Christ, which surpasses all comprehension, which means it doesn't make any sense. Like, why do you have peace right now when you shouldn't? You have this peace. You ever experienced that? You're like, I have no idea why, but man, you just experienced something heavenly. Heavenly things. And then Jesus says this, which is incredibly inflammatory. Uh, he says, no one has ascended into heaven, but he has descended from heaven. 
the Son of Man. Now, I don't know if Jesus did this or not. I would have if it were me. Uh, but, but no one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. <laughs> like, like if he was like, and I'm talking about me. So, so he goes, what he does is he helps Nicholas, Nicodemus to, 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 to begin to open his eyes of what he's talking about. So he goes back to this Old Testament reference. As the people were going through um, uh, uh, their 40-year journey, uh, which was supposed to be 40 days, they go through this 40-year journey in the wilderness, and they start grumbling, and they're worshiping idols, and they're doing all sorts of stuff. It's just like you and they're no different than us. Where, you know, everything's going along fine, and then one thing goes wrong, and we're like, God, how could you do this to me, right? And so, same type of thing. So God sends some snakes. Praise God he doesn't do that now. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. I just, and sharks. But I know I'm supposed to love nature. Snakes are not nature. In the Bible, it was Satan. What, what, what did they say Satan was? A snake. Exactly. So he sends these snakes. And if you got bit by the snake, you die. And so God tells Moses to make this staff with this, this bronze snake on it. And if you get bit by the snake, all you had to do was look at the, the thing and you'd be healed. And people would choose not to look at the snake. I'd spend all day just staring at the snake. Just in case I got stung. You know, you don't get stung. You get bitten. Or stung. That's a crazy snake. So here's what he says. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him will, uh, believes, will in him have eternal life. That eternal life starts now. This isn't, I'm going to raise my hand, and when I die, I hope I go to heaven. Jesus would frown upon that theology. What he'd say is, you become a follower of me. You give me your life, and you begin to see, do what I would do, say what I would say. Your speech changes. Your thoughts change. Your actions change. Your relationships change as you become a follower of Jesus. And then what happens is, and uh, uh, this book was written in, in Greek, okay? And so part of the problem with Greek is that uh, it doesn't have any uh, uh, punctuation. So you kind of have to, as you read it, you're trying to figure out what, what ends and what begins. And, and usually the writer knows that and it's very clear. Uh, but this particular one happens to happen at the most famous verse in the Bible, You've probably seen it at a football game with somebody with a clown head on or, you know, hair. John 3.16, they're holding up this sign. And so scholars go back and forth because they don't know if John is inserting a narrative now or if Jesus is still talking. So if Jesus were still talking, it would sound like this. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So in some of your Bibles, and depending on which translation, sometimes that's in red, which is the words of Jesus. I don't know why they picked red. I probably would have picked like a, like a nice blue, a dark blue, but whatever. Uh, or it's, it's in just regular text, black. So which one is it? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter whether Jesus said it or the Holy Spirit said it, inspiring John to say it. It doesn't matter. The fact is that God so loved the world 
that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whoever is willing to take out that old engine and fill it in with Jesus, your eternal life starts now. You see things differently. You respond to things differently. So, what happened to Nick? Because <laughs> he comes at night, and again, sorry to talk about scholars, but I like, like reading that kind of stuff. Um, this conversation probably lasted a lot longer. They probably talked for a couple hours. Because Nicodemus just didn't ask those questions and then go, oh, I guess that's right. They probably kept talking and kept talking and going through it. John doesn't uh, write it down. But when Jesus dies, first of all, there's another story where Nicodemus defends him with the other Pharisees. Like, man, we should, maybe if this person's from God, we better be careful. And uh, they accuse him of wanting to follow him, which Nicodemus does. John 19, 39. Nicodemus, who had first come to him by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pounds weight for Jesus' burial. I was going to try and bring one of those 45-pound weights that you find at the gym, but they caught me leaving. Uh, <laughs> but just so you could just come up after church and just like pick it up and go, man, that was, that's, not, that's less than half of it. Nicodemus became a follower of Jesus. Something, something clicked. As the worship band comes back up, Like I said before, you know, the born-again language we've adopted as the church and we've used it for non-Christians becoming Christians. Um, and, and that's fine. But I believe that we are constantly being born again. We are constantly finding ourselves in a place where we have to take Make the decision to take off, Jesus would, or uh, Paul would say it this way, you take off the old self and you put on the new self. And these are decisions we make all week long. I'm not going to operate in the flesh. I'm not going to respond that way. I'm going to take this risk because I think God is calling me to.